We're continuing our series on the Gospel of Matthew, and today we'll be diving into Matthew chapter 18, verses 10 through 14, the parable of the lost sheep. But before we do that, just a little summary of what we learned thus far from this chapter. CB shared with us about how greatness for the believer is about going lower, not higher, meaning that humility, being a servant like Christ, is the Christian way. He also taught us that all little ones, as stated by Christ in this chapter, are Christians, and to cause them to stumble has serious implications. And this morning, we will continue to study Jesus' conversation with his disciples as found in this chapter. But before we do that, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for the good news. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ, your son, to this earth in the form of a baby to dwell among us as sinful people. Thank you for sending him to die for the sins of many. Thank you for the gift of repentance. Thank you for salvific faith. Thank you that because of Christ's resurrection, sin and death have been defeated and heaven awaits those whom he reconciled to you. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to us who empowers us with grace, grace that helps us persevere through the trials of life. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for illumining our hearts and minds and for teaching us and helping us to obey. Thank you, O Lord, for your word. And as we read your word this morning, we pray it would edify us, encourage us, challenge us, and convict us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So let's look at this week's text. Jesus is addressing his disciples, and he says, starting in verse 10, See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go in search of the one who went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the ninety-nine that never went astray. So it is not the will of the Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. I'd like to present four points this morning in the text. The first being that God cares for his children individually. God cares for his children individually. Verse 10. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Speaking to his disciples, Jesus is giving quite the admonition here in this text. He's telling those who are his, 
those who follow him, who have been redeemed, not to despise these little ones. As I stated earlier, we recently learned that the little ones Jesus is speaking of here are Christians. The term despised in the original language means to think nothing of or to look down upon. In other words, Jesus is warning us not to look down on other Christians as if they are inferior to us or not worthy of our consideration. And in this context, not to do so even when he or she may wander from Christ. But mistreating Christians in general is sinful. Showing partiality is sinful. Withholding help from a brother or sister in Christ who is in need is sinful. Ridiculing another Christian because of their physical appearance, socioeconomic background, ethnic background, skin color, being a bully is sinful. Is there someone in your life that you're doing this to? Is there someone right now in your life that you have contempt for? Is there someone in your life right now, a Christian, who you are being unkind to? Is there someone in your life right now, a Christian, you're showing indifference toward and despising? Is it your Christian spouse? Is it your Christian friend? Is it someone here in this room? If so, is what you're doing honoring and glorifying God? Or is it grieving the Spirit of God? When a Christian mistreats another Christian in these ways, it displeases God. And when it comes to our attitude and our actions toward wandering Christians, if we're looking down on them as if they're inferior to us and not worthy of our consideration, that also is sinful. And one of the ways we Christians despise other Christians who wander is through self-righteous judgmentalism. When a fellow Christian stumbles spiritually, there's a temptation to distance oneself from them, to be harsh toward them, to be cold toward them, basically having an attitude like, you know what, you chose to sin. You know what, you chose to do what you did. Live with those consequences. And this self-righteous attitude does more harm than it does good. This self-righteous attitude is one like the Pharisees who are known for looking down on others as if they were better. They even did that with Jesus. Remember when they asked God's disciples why he ate with tax collectors and sinners? The Pharisees were self-righteous judges. And we can be the same way with the unsaved and with the Christian who falls into sin. 
We're quick to stick our nose up them, up at them and, and write them off. Yet we too are susceptible of falling into sin. May we not forget that one day all of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. That's what Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. The way of the cross is to humbly help our brother or our sister who has fallen realizing that we too could wander away in sin and it is only by God's grace that we haven't yet. When we as Christians look down upon our brothers and sisters in Christ and treat them with disdain, when we are rude to them, when we show indifference toward them because we consider them unworthy of special care, in general or when they wander, we're sinning against them and against God. And as Christians, we are to value each and every little one as God does. And this takes humility. Humility, as C.J. Mahaney defines, is honestly assessing ourselves in light of God's holiness and our sinfulness. Humility before God leads to love of the least of these. The gospel instills a humility in us that teaches us not to despise other Christians but to treat them with honor, with respect, with justice, with mercy, because we are no better than they in light of God's holiness. We all deserve one thing, eternal wrath. We all deserve hell forever. But God demonstrated his own love toward us in the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And he died for the wandering Christian. Why should we not despise other Christians? Let's look at verse 10, the second part. Jesus says, For I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father, Who is in heaven. Here Jesus speaks of the Christian's relation to angels in heaven. Angels are God's messengers or agents. Angels are spiritual, intellectual, and powerful creatures created by God. And they serve God in many different ways. Revelation 7.11 says that they worship him. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God. So angels worship God. But they also take interest in the affairs of man, serving Christians. Hebrews 1, 14. 
Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? So God has assigned angels to protect Christians. And those angels have access to the Father's presence. Some of us have may, may have even entertained angels unaware because they may take on human form and we just don't even know. I personally probably would... I was going to say wet my pants if I saw a real angel <laughs> and what he looked like. <laughs> so in times of great distress... As Christians, we're not alone. God sends angels to guard us in all our ways, as Psalm 91.11 says. You know, my wife was sharing with me a story. I don't have this in my notes. Uh, when she was younger, she had a Bronco. And as she was driving on the highway, she, got, she veered off the highway and the Bronco flipped. And she remembered putting her hands on the ceiling just to brace herself as the Bronco was flipping. And when the Bronco flipped back to its with the wheels on the ground, and right side up, I should say, the whole passenger side of the Bronco was smashed in. And if somebody were to be on that side of the Bronco, they would have perished. And she was sharing that she knew she was not strong enough to keep the ceiling on her side up. And she was saying... I believe that God must have sent angels to protect me. Because surely I would have died. And we don't even realize sometimes that's what's happening. We don't see those angels doing those things that God has sent for them to do. But they, they are there and they do exist. We don't worship them, but they come to do the will of the Father. And so it is in part because of these angels who live in the presence of God that we as Christians are warned by God here in this text not to, to despise other Christians because God has dispatched angels to protect them. Think about it. To know that God is so concerned for his children, for our welfare, that he would have a host of angels who he commands to come to our aid demonstrates to us our value to him and how absolutely horrible and wicked it is for us to look down on someone whom Christ died and purchased. So God cares for his children individually. Point number two. God seeks us when we stray. Verse 12. What do you think, Jesus says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? 
Here Jesus instructs through a parable. And in his parable, he shows us that the shepherd has an intimate knowledge of his sheep. He can glance over the flock and instinctively know when one is missing. And when he notices the missing, straying sheep, he will pursue it as it wanders. He will travel through rough terrain He will look in crevices. He will look in caves. He will look in ravines to locate and to find the sheep that has disappeared from the flock. He knows that the sheep can get stuck in a rut. And he will not rest until he finds it. As he knows the sheep will face many dangers while wandering. Wolves. Bears, the elements. The 100 sheep in this text represent the church, the community of believers. 99 of them are either spiritually mature or are not likely wandering from Christ. The straying sheep is the Christian who has gotten his eyes off of the good shepherd. And has wandered away into various sin. And is not thinking about the dangers of those sins. And the good shepherd is our Lord Jesus. He goes after the wandering Christian. Luke 19 states, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. He sought us out while we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Even while we were enemies, Christ came and sought us and he bought us. He purchased us. He redeemed us and he reconciled us to the Father. And the same great shepherd whom through his blood redeemed us pursues us when we wander spiritually. When we get stuck in a rut, he is there. To rescue. The old hymn states. Prone to wander Lord. I feel it. Prone to leave. The God I love. Our flesh. Calls out to us. To do the opposite. Of what God desires. The world beckons us. To participate. In its debauchery. The devil tempts us. To forsake God and to enjoy the passions that are not glorifying to the Lord. How many of you ever seen The Lion King? I saw it as an adult in the movies. The Lion King. You remember Mufasa? Mufasa. And Simba, a little old Simba. There's a couple of scenes in The Lion King that I I really like. And one of them is Mufasa. And he has little Simba by his side. And they're on Pride Walk. And they're overlooking the land. And Mufasa looks at his son and he says, Simba, all this is yours. Do you remember that? It's mine and it's yours. But don't go over there. That is the forbidden place. 
And you remember what over there was? It was the elephant graveyard. And Mufasa says, you can have all of this, but don't go there. Because there is death. But Simba decided to wander away from the safety of Pride Rock. And he went to the place of danger. Much like Simba, we're tempted to go to those forbidden places. When God says, everything you need in life and for godliness is in my son. True joy and true contentment is in Christ. You don't need to go over there to find happiness. You don't need to go over there to find joy. You don't need to go there to find pleasure. It is in my son. But many times we wander from the safety of our father. And soon enough, like Simba, we find ourselves in danger. And when we wander away, the good shepherd comes to save. And the fact that the good shepherd pursues the wandering Christian shows how gracious he is. Jesus is on a rescue mission for us when we wander and he will find us. John 18, 9 states, Jesus says, this was to fulfill the word that he had spoken of those whom you gave me, I have not lost one. Jesus preserves in the context of John 18, 9, the physical preservation of Jesus' disciples symbolized their spiritual preservation. We are sinful people, yet he is patient and he will not give up on us. Even when our faith is lacking, even when we act faithless, even when we wander away from him, he will preserve us. Be encouraged. If we are Christians and if we stray, God will pursue. He will rescue. And he will return us safely back to the fold. That is love. That is the love of the Father. And that is the love of the Son. Wandering Christian, if you're here today, God has not given up on you. Jesus said in John chapter 10, 11, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus, wandering Christian, has laid his life down for you. He died that you may live in communion with the Father, that you might live in communion with Him, the Son, that you might have communion with the Holy Spirit. 
And just as God pursued Adam and Eve in the garden when they sinned and they were wandering and hiding, He's pursuing you. He's not left you. He's not forsaken you. He is looking. He is pursuing. He knows where you are. He knows what you're going through. He knows your voice. And you know his. And he's coming for you. Hear him call. A sheep knows the voice of his shepherd. Listen to the call of Jesus today as he's calling for you to come back. It's in his arms that you'll find refuge. It's in his arms, the arms of the good shepherd, where you will find safety. And Christian who is living for Jesus. Don't despise your wandering brother or sister. Reach out to the wandering ones. Let them know that God is compassionately pursuing them. Urge them to run to the shepherd. Plead with them to return to the fold. So God cares for his children individually. God seeks us when we stray. Point three. God rejoices over us when we return to him. Verse 13. And if he finds it. Truly I say to you. He rejoices over it more than the 99 that never went astray. When the Savior finds the wandering Christian, he rejoices. There is great rejoicing within the Trinity when the wandering Christian repents and is restored. It's not that God doesn't care about the rest of his children, the 99. We know he does. But there is a gladness that takes place here. A gladness because God cares for his own. He loves his own. He's jealous for his own. He's protective over his own. And with a caring God like this, how dare any one of us look upon these literally little wandering ones who've been restored how dare us look upon them in, in a despicable manner? How dare any of us look upon a wandering Christian with contempt and disgust? If that is our posture toward them, may we repent of our attitudes and actions. But there is rejoicing in heaven when a wandering Christian is restored to the fold. It brings God joy and it should bring us joy too.
We should be excited when we hear of a brother or sister who's made it right with God. So God cares for his children individually. God seeks us when we stray. God rejoices over us when we return to him. Wandering Christian, when you return to Jesus, he's not going to be mad at you. He's going to be so thankful. He's going to be so happy. Do you ever lose a child in the supermarket? And you're worried about where they are, but when you find them, you're just elated with joy as they come running to you and you just run to them and embrace them with such strong embrace. That's how God is. When that child of his comes running toward him as he's out looking and searching and he embraces that child with such joy, such passion, such happiness. Point four. Final point. Short message. God exercises care for us through the church. Verse 14. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. It greatly saddens God to see straying sheep. And God does not have the attitude, I hope he dies. It's not the will of the Father to see a Christian suffer loss. The word perish here refers to a non-permanent ruin or loss. The word relates to the spiritual progress of the Christian life. I was listening to Christian radio the other day in the car and a woman who was uh, struggling with addiction was sharing how she lost everything. She lost her husband. She lost her family. She lost her children. She lost her job. She lost her friends because all her friends are Christian. She had nothing. She had no one. She was suffering non-permanent ruin or loss. Permanent ruin with loss would mean that she'd go to hell. Non-permanent means she lost things in life. God restores, though. He does. She had to come to the bottom of the barrel. And there she saw Jesus pursuing her. And he reached out his hand to the little lamb. And she reached out her hand. And he took her. And he carried her back. Too often than not, though, when one such sheep comes in on a Sunday morning and people know that this sheep has wandered, more often than not, are they met 
with a cold shoulder. And they feel unwelcome and unwanted. That's not God's way. As the shepherd searches for the lost sheep until it is found, so the father cares for each one of his straying children. And God will see that every one of his children who strays will eventually be brought back into his fellowship. And how does he do this? By what means does he do this? One way is through us. Through his church. We're responsible to seek the straying sheep. We are to have compassion that leads to action. God cares for his little ones and he uses us, his church, to seek those who are wandering, who are straying. And in the coming weeks, we'll discuss that further when we dive into the rest of Matthew 18. With vigilant Vigilance, we are to keep an eye out for our brother and sister who may not be living according to word of God. You might always ask yourself, hmm, I haven't seen someone for some time on Sunday. They used to come every Sunday and now they're not here. I wonder if they're okay. Well, don't let it stop there. Pursue them. Try to contact them. Shoot them a text. Find them on Facebook. Write them an email or a letter because perhaps, not everyone, perhaps they're wandering and they need to know they're loved. We're to be God's hands and feet and pursue them and plead with them to turn from the error of their way. We're to tell them that God is trying to rescue them from their wandering. Did you know that you can be agents of God's forgiveness? To the glory of God, you can be used of God to restore someone back to right relationship with the Father. Wayward Christian, God is pursuing you. He hasn't forsaken you. He hasn't forgotten about you. He is after you. Be comforted today in knowing that if you repent and are restored, the angels, the Lord Jesus, your Father in heaven, the Holy Spirit, are rejoicing. To those of us in this room who lean toward being self-righteous and judgmental, who despise the wandering brother or sister, may we repent. May we humble ourselves before the Lord. May we ask God to give us hearts of mercy for the wanderer. May we ask the Holy Spirit to expose to us our indwelling sin 
and the ways that we are prone to wander and ask him to help us. He'll help you if you ask. If you're here in this room today and you're either the wanderer or the self-righteous judger, I want to invite you to come and receive prayer. CB and I will be some of the last ones here today. There are care group leaders. There are Christians here. We want to make ourselves available to serve you by praying for you and praying for you because we love you. But Jesus loves you a whole bunch more. John just asked me to close that excellent sermon in prayer. Church, weren't we served so well there by that sermon? Didn't we learn so much about the heart of God? We thank the Lord and also thank John for just that wonderful blessing. Thank you, Lord. Church, let's pray. Oh, Lord, how can we thank you enough that you are a God who, while we were still sinners, you died for us. And then, Lord, after you save us, through the many times where we've wandered, you have been relentless in your pursuit of our strayings. God, we marvel. We are so thankful. We are here right now because of you being that kind of God. And we just want to say thank you. Thank you for sending your angels to protect us times without measure, Lord. I'm sure when we get to heaven, we're going to see so many times in our lives where our lives were protected and spared supernaturally because of you sending your servants to protect us, your people. Lord, your care is so personal. Your love is so personal. And we just want to let you know we're grateful for it, Lord. We are so thankful that you are such a wonderful and amazing God. Lord, we are so grateful. We are so amazed. And Lord, we just want to say thank you. We praise you for being such an awesome God and such a caring God. A God who never gives up pursuing us. A God who preserves his people. Thank you, Good Shepherd, for laying down your life for the sheep. And thank you, Jesus, for being the Good Shepherd that leaves the 99 and goes after the one and then rejoices 
when you carry that lamb back to the fold. Lord, if there's anybody here who's one of those wandering lambs, Lord, I pray that they would turn to you today. They would come back to you, such an awesome God, with your arms open wide for them. Lord, I pray today would be the day of their return from their wanderings, God, and help them to respond and to come and let us know how we can be praying for them. And Lord, we just pray that today would be a day of great rejoicing in heaven over the one sinner who repents. And Jesus, that you would be rejoicing over your wanderer coming home. I ask you to do that, and I pray you would protect us, Lord, as a church family, that we would be protected and guarded from, guarded from ever despising one of your little ones. Protect us and help our love to be overflowing as a church body, even as your love has overflowed to us. We love you, Lord, and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we thank God for being such an awesome guy? Well, we are available for prayer for all of you. Please feel free to come forward for prayer, as John was mentioning during the message. Church, go forth and just rejoice over this awesome God who loves you and gave himself for you. And, uh, and have a wonderful week this week leading up to Christmas. Looking forward to seeing you Christmas Eve, 5 o'clock here. Can't wait. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.